Welcome to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Discover strategies and tactics that work positive as Dr. Joey talks with industry leaders who create a positive work culture that attracts top talent and reduces team turnover. Discover how you can create a work positive culture that increases productivity and profits. Here's your host, Dr. Joey. Work Positive Nation, you know, we're all about attracting top talent and keeping top talent so that we create that positive work culture that actually increases productivity and profits. How do you do that in the changing landscape of decade after decade after decade if you're in a legacy type business? Today's guest has done exactly that. Attracted top talent, kept the ones that needed to stay, allowed the ones who we're better suited for another position somewhere else, right? Inviting them to, to go somewhere else. And then created that positive work culture. In fact, if you've ever belonged to a BNI chapter anywhere in the world, you know you say in your covenant, in your pledge to your fellow BNI members that you want to create a positive and supportive environment in that chapter. How do you do that in your business? What can we learn from this father of modern networking. Dr. Ivan Meister is my guest today, Work Positive Nation. Ivan, thanks so much for being on our podcast. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. And hey, listen, I'm just glad they're not calling me the grandfather of modern networking. <laughs> I don't know, man. My best role is being a pops. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that. Being a grandfather. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm close. Uh, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Then you'll get your PR folks to rewrite this as the grandfather of modern networking, <laughs> right? Because that'll be your best gig ever, man. So uh, you started BNI in 1985, yeah. yeah, which was a miraculous time. And, all. and and so from a home office in 1985, I think I read here, let me get this right. Last year, BNI members passed 12.4 million referrals that generated $18.6 billion. Yeah. Are those numbers right? Yeah, $18.6 billion in 2021. Wow. That's billion with a B. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the amount of business that the members generated for themselves. Now, just so you know, Joey, that's twice the gross domestic product for the country of Liechtenstein. Wow. Okay, it's a small country, I know. But still, <laughs> but still it's a big How deal. cool is that, that we as a business organization generate more business than a small nation in the world? I'm, I'm looking for bigger nations next year, but I still think that's <laughs> just incredible. You're going to move up the nation list, right? I am, I am. Yeah. Yeah, there are actually, last I heard, 10 nations in the world that generate less GDP than BNI does. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So how many members? Over 200,000 now? 291,500 members as of this morning. I get a daily wow. count. Man, you're staring down 300,000. And that's been yeah. pretty rapid growth from 200,000 to 300,000, hasn't it? Yeah, we have 37 years of consecutive growth. There are very few companies wow. in the world that can say um, year over year, mm -hmm. 37 years of consecutive growth. We've never had a negative year. Um, wow. You know, during COVID, things slowed down a little for us, as yep. they did for many, many businesses. But we continued to grow because when times are tough, businesses need a network. Right. You know, uh, your network is a beacon of hope in a sea of fear. 
Mm. And so something like BNI has been a beacon of hope for hundreds of thousands of people around the world. Oh, absolutely. And so you need persons that you can count on, persons that will support you, persons that will be positive and supportive in the midst of a rapidly changing landscape. Okay, so for 37 years in, in growing um, a, a massive organization, what were some of the keys for you, Ivan, in attracting top talent? Well, I, I mean, there, there's a few things. In the early days, and this is really important to kind of differentiate the early days from where we're at today. In the early days, I had no money. Yeah. Right? I, can, I couldn't afford to pay employees a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so my strategy as a young entrepreneur was that ignorance on fire is better than knowledge on ice. <laughs> meaning, meaning I was looking for people who were on fire. Uh -huh. They didn't have to have a ton of experience. Uh -huh. What they had to have was a fire in their belly. They had mm -hmm. to be willing to learn and excited. They had to love the concept of the business and they had to be willing to be all in. And what I steered away from were people who were knowledgeable, but not on fire. Uh you know, people are like, yeah, I can do the job. And they had a great resume, but they just weren't very excited. And I was willing to train people mm. if they were excited and on fire. And so mm. ignorance on fire is better than knowledge and ice. Now, as a business matures and becomes uh, larger and the organization becomes more successful, then what you want to look for is uh, knowledge on fire. Uh -huh. And, and later, as a business becomes successful, you can afford that. Mm -hmm. You can afford to pay people who are very experienced and on fire. Mm. And that's what you want to look for later. So it's, it's a continuum. Mm. Ignorance on fire is okay in the beginning if you're willing uh, to spend time training them. Yep. And then knowledge on fire is what you look for later. What, is, what does fire look like, that fire in the belly? What does that look like to well, you? It I looks like somebody who's, who says, I want this role. I'm excited about this role. We had a we had a director of marketing and he reached out to us with a whole marketing plan. Wow. I love this business. This business is fantastic. Here are some ideas that I have. And he said, look, if they don't all work, that's okay. Throw them out. But some of this will really work. And he had tons of experience. But people don't do that. They don't usually do that. They don't they don't send a marketing plan for that's the incredible. business when they don't have the job yet. That's knowledge on fire. That man, that is some fire in the belly. And you can't train fire in the no. belly, can you, Ivan? You have to hire it. No, you can't. Now let's let's flip sides. Let's say you're looking for a job, or maybe you've got a child who's looking for a job. Here's what I recommended to my eldest. When we were talking about my eldest daughter recording, here's one of the things I recommended to her early on to get a job. I said, when you go to a company to do an interview, um, offer to do a working interview. Mm. She said, what, what's that? I said, well, that's where you just go in and you work for them. And you tell them, look, you don't have to pay me. I'm going to go in. I'll work for you for a day or two, whatever yeah. you want. And just show you how, what my work ethic is. Mm. And I told her, I look, most companies, especially in some states, you know, they can't do that. They're going to have to pay you something. But right. they offers that. So she went to this one company, it was a retailer, and she offered this. And they were like, whoa. She did photographs for the event. She did a great job. They hired her. That's ignorance on fire. Wow. She didn't know anything about the product. She uh -huh. had to learn the product. Uh -huh. But she was on fire. She showed she was on fire. So those are two of the same coin. Yeah. 
Wow. It's almost like you audition for a job then, and that's yeah. that willingness to work, to display your fire in the belly. Just exactly. come along very often. So it allowed your daughter to set herself apart from the pack. Oh, yeah, substantially. Yeah, and I'm assuming she got the job. and did She got the work. job. She's still there. <laughs> she's awesome. on maternity leave right now, but she's still there. <laughs> and that's when you'll become the best pops ever, right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be your next big role, right? Well, Looking forward uh, to it. Attracting that top talent then really has that baseline of fire in the belly. So when you're starting out, ignorance on fire because you can't teach the on fire, but you can train them in your particular skill set. Um, and then later the knowledge on fire. What about keeping those people? So you, you get them on your team, they're on fire. How do you keep that fire burning? Well, there's a few things. First of all, I tended throughout my career to treat loyalty like royalty, hmm. meaning, uh, you know, an employee who was loyal to the company and worked hard, uh, I really wanted to keep. Hmm. Um, between us, I probably did it, meaning I, I kept some people that probably um, – were past their sell by date. Um, They, they, they could no longer do the job or were willing to do the job. And I, and so I would, the concept of treating staff, you know, the idea of loyalty uh, like royalty is a solid philosophy. And there's a line to really be cognizant of so that when the employee can no longer do the job or is no longer doing the job or no longer has their fi- the fire in their belly. And that's in almost every case, that was the situation. And yet they were loyal. So I hung on to them um, mm. too long. And that's an issue. I had a lunch with Harvey McKay. You know, Harvey McKay wrote. Sure. Um, Yes. This one lunch I had with him about 15 years ago, he said something to me that was so valuable. He said, I've lost more sleep over the people I've kept than the people I've let go. Oh, wow. And I was like, actually, that was exactly what he said. Oh, uh, wow. that's he said, big. He said, and I lose sleep when I let people go. I don't like to let people go. Mm-hmm. But I have, over my career, lost more sleep over the people I've kept. And that was a real game changer for me. Mm-hmm. When I heard that, that was when I was like, yeah, okay, I need to have that line in the stand where the loyalty like royalty is now transitioning. And you have to have... You have to both, you know, two core values of BNI is recognition and accountability. And those are two ends of the spectrum. Yes. Accountability uh, is whole, you know, it's, that's where you got to hold people accountable for their work. And you have to have systems and processes and rules. You know, hockey without rules would be boxing on ice. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have that's rules right. and you have to have expectations as to what employees are going to do. And mm. that means that you then have to have accountability. And when uh, when you've held people accountable and they've done a good job, that's when you have to really do a good job of recognition. And so if you have both accountability and recognition, you're going to do a good job in hiring, managing, and keeping employees. Yeah. So opposite sides of the same coin there, right? And yep. You, you really need exactly both sides. It. So what were and, some and of the ways- you know what, what tends to happen is we talk about one thing, you know, and we forget yeah. that a lot of what we're talking about really is a spectrum. Mm. And the people kind of fall into that spectrum somewhere. And the same person can be on that spectrum over a course of 10 years. They may move on that spectrum. Oh, they will. Depending on how committed they are. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and we think in in Work Positive Nation of accountability is putting just enough pressure on someone to bring out the best in them. So how can you do that 
without having some sort of expectation, some sort of system in place to help guide their behavior, right? I don't think you can. I think you need to have systems in place. Um, you know, you can't just expect people to do it. You, accountability means that you've got to have targets and goals. You can't hit a target you're not aiming at. Mm. So that means you got to have targets. You have to have accountability. You have to know your numbers. I think um, we in the beginning of this discussion, I talked about the fact that report. Mm-hmm. I know every day I get a report five days a week. Mm. How many members we have? How many chapters we have? By the way, we have 10,806 chapters as of this morning. <laughs> so, you know, that's all about the accountability and understanding yeah. where we're at. And if numbers start going down, then we start looking at where are the numbers going down? Mm. What's going on with those people? Why is it that their next door neighbor is growing mm. and they're going down? Yeah. You know, people say, oh, it's the economy. It's the it's the community. It's well, your neighbor yeah. is growing. You're yeah. not. It's uh, not the economy. It's not the community. It's it's only blunt. But that's what accountability really does. It's like you're looking at the numbers and you're comparing and contrasting. And and by the way, you share the information. So Ivan, it, it's important to measure for accountability, and that accountability leads to recognition. If I'm measuring and I'm always amazed by how many people don't measure. But if I'm measuring for metrics that create that positive work culture, what are some important characteristics for me to look for in creating a positive work culture? Yeah. Can I just go back to your, it, it, it amazes you that people don't measure. It blows yeah. my mind that people yeah. don't measure. It's like, you don't know where you're headed. It's that, you know, you don't have a target. You're not going to hit it. You, you right. have to have a target. Yep. Um, so what you need to determine are your KPIs, your key performance indicators. Yes. And those are different for every company. And gross revenue is not necessarily a KPI. People think that gross revenue is, well, gross revenue is a moving target over time. Mm-hmm. Instead, you know, your number of clients is more likely to be um, a, a KPI, the amount of um, business that a client might do. In BNI, I can tell you what our KPIs are just to give you a, a sense. It is the number of chapters we have, the number of members we have, and here's an important one. The number of members we have per chapter. Mm. That's important because when a chapter, when an average chapter size of a BNI group, which is a networking group, sure. um, when the average chapter size goes up, the referrals go up. So a chapter that doubles in size from 20 to 40, as a rule, not always, but as a rule, triples the amount of business. Mm. So they double their size, they triple the referrals. That makes people very happy. Mm-hmm. So the average number of members per chapter is important. And here's the other thing is retention. How long does someone stay? Yes. So those are four KPIs uh, or three three KPIs in BNI that are important um, in the organization. And that's uh, those are some of the things that we measure. You have to think about what is critical in your business, create those KPIs, and they only work if you can measure them easily. If you can't measure them easily, it's not a good KPI. Yeah. So what about some KPIs that are related to team behavior or team member behavior? In other words, in the case of BNI, the chapters have members. And so what is it you want those members to do? How do you measure around that? Yeah. So around that, we have a system called the traffic light system. Okay. And traffic lights um, literally lets people see on, we have a, a program called BNI Connect, which is an online platform. Mm-hmm. And a member can see, are they in the green? Are they in the yellow? Are they in the red? Or are they in the gray? 
Okay. Okay. So uh, what does it measure? It measures how many referrals did they bring? That's got value. You bring referrals, you're, you're doing a good job. How many visitors Golden, did yeah. they bring to the group? How many one-to-ones did they do? Because one-to-ones make a substantial difference in growth. People mm. who do four one-to-ones a month compared to people who do one one-to-one a month give twice as many referrals, but more importantly, they receive twice as many referrals. So if you just do one a week versus one a month, you're going to get twice as much business. Mm. So that's part of the traffic lights. That's part of the measuring mm. performance. Uh, other things include um, CEUs, uh, continuing education units. Yes. Did you listen to the BNI podcast? Did you read any material? You know, what did you do this week to sharpen your axe and be better at networking? And so these are some of the things that go towards uh, the traffic lights program. And we do it as traffic lights because it's really visual. Yeah. I'm in the green. I'm doing great. Uh-huh. Hello, I'm doing good. I'm in the rig. Not so good. Uh-huh. I'm in the gray. Bad, bad. <laughs> Nobody wants to be gray, right? <laughs> exactly. And well, which is having... funny because it's, it's funny because we, we train our directors. We have the same program for directors as we do for members, except it's different KPIs. And in our directors, they come to conferences and directors, they tell everybody what they should be doing. You get a horrible, horrible director and they yep. love telling people what they're doing. They're doing it all wrong. They're in the gray. But they'll tell people. And so we tell, I tell directors, all, when people, when they're giving you their opinion, ask them where they are in traffic lights. Mm. If they're in the green, write everything down, do everything they say. Mm. If they're in the yellow, pay attention to the stuff that makes sense. If they're in the red, you know, thank them for their effort. If they're in the gray, run, don't walk. Do not <laughs> listen to anything they say. Don't do anything they do. So people will tell you what they're doing, even if they're doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's why KPIs are important. Oh, they really are. And having been a member of a BNI chapter for a while, thanks for talking about that. Because what you're doing is you're describing and rewarding human behavior. And you're showing how that behavior will increase your own amount of business. That's the bottom line. One one-to-one a month versus four one-to-ones a month. Now, talk about giver's gain. By the way, it's not about doing stuff for BNI. It's about doing stuff that will help you get more business. That's what it's about. Absolutely. Yeah. But I you, you have identified that behavior that leads to benefiting my business. And you've tagged it right into when I learn more about somebody else's business, I'm giving them more referrals, then I'm going to get more referrals myself. Yeah. And that's a principle that you trademark called giver's gain. Talk to us about that. Well, giver's gain is an important concept. And it's one that is all about, you know, um, a relational connection as, as opposed to a transactional connection. And so it's not, you know, it's not, uh, Hey, look, if you, if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. Right. So it can't be transactional. It's got to be relational. Um, to me, giver's gain is uh, more than a phrase. It's a way of, of um, um, living one's life. It's a, it's a way of interacting with people in order to build relationships. Uh, it's a perspective to interact with people. It's, it's an attitude, not an expectation. And when it's applied properly, it'll change your life. And when it changes enough lives, it'll change the world. It's a philosophy of doing business that makes a difference uh, for mm. people. Yeah. Your friend, Jack Canfield would probably refer to it as the law of reciprocity would, would come close to describing it, right? Uh, yeah. The law of reciprocity has been around for a long time. That's exactly what giver's gain is about. And what I love um, about 
those two words is it like says it all in two words. Mm. If you give, you're going to receive. Mm. And, you know, let, so we talk about things being on a spectrum. There, there are oftentimes people who say, yeah, but I've given and given and given, and this person doesn't give back to me. Okay. I wrote a book called Infinite Giving. Mm. And it's about, it's about the seven principles of giver's gain. And one of the seven principles is um, being an infinite giver does not mean you're an infinite victim. Mm. So you have to have discernment. Mm. And so if you, Joey, are giving and giving and giving to me, and I don't really care, and I don't really give back in any way, and giving back, by the way, can be different. You might give me referrals, I give you advice. That advice might be worth more than the referrals you give me. Absolutely. One word of advice might exponentially Make increase your business. So are we giving to each other? Whatever that looks like, it could be referrals, it could be advice, it could be support, it, it could be anything. But are we giving to each other? And if we're giving back and forth, then that that fits the philosophy of giver's gain. If one of us is giving and the other is not giving anything, then um, that's where discernment needs to come in. And, you know, being an infinite giver doesn't mean you're an infinite victim. It means that you need to say, okay, this is not a person who's going to practice a philosophy that I believe in. And you find somebody else. Yeah. And it's just a difference in core values right there, right? Because some yeah. people are takers, other people are givers. And so you find those persons with whom you can share that giver's game core yeah. value. Adam Grant talked about that in the book, uh, Givers and Takers. And uh, and by the way, he mentions giver's game in that book. I don't know if you know it. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, I know that was one of the highly attractive things to me about being a part of a BNI chapter was that, that giver's game and really being able to practice that. And the other was you're introducing me to KPIs wrapped around human behavior. Yeah. And it seems to me if companies have goals for creating a positive work culture, Ivan, that then they would also have human behavior expectations clearly delineated, just like you do using your traffic light system there. What is it that prevents businesses from having those expectations enumerated like that for human behavior? Well, I think, you know, it's it's all in the in the training that we do for the people who work for us, the orientation. I remember working for a company once many, 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 many years ago <laughs> when I didn't have any gray hair. And, um, you know, they basically said, you know, they brought me in. They didn't really know my job because it was a new role. They said, we're not quite sure what, you know, you're supposed to do. We have a job description. This is for you. Here's, you know, here's the office. This is your office. Uh, the men's room is down the aisle. Your boss is in Sacramento at a, a, a state assembly meeting. He's going to be back in a couple of days. We have no idea what you're supposed to do. Good luck. <laughs> and that was my orientation. You, you were onboarded quite well, weren't you? Oh, it was horrible, horrible. <laughs> and so, um, you know, you've got to be on, you got to onboard your people in a way that embraces the culture of the organization and brings them into it. And so one of the things that we do at, at BNI is we do new employee boot camp. Mm -hmm. And so you can't even start your job full time until you finish boot camp which oh, usually wow. takes at least two weeks. Okay. So you're not doing your job completely. You do little pieces of it until you finish boot camp. And boot camp is you go to BNI meetings to see what they're like. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes an employee has never been to a BNI meeting. So mm -hmm. they go to a BNI meeting. They uh, meet with what we call director consultants, which are people in the field, executive directors, higher level people, maybe a national director. They will obviously meet with HR. They may meet with the, um, the software, the, the, the program people. Mm -hmm. They have to meet different people. And the boot camp final 
talking to me about the vision, the mission, the core values of the organization. They have to actually complete a test wow. and turn it in to me. And then they get to ask me questions about whatever they want. I don't care. Personal business. And I answer those questions if they've completed their boot camp and done the test, passed the test, and then I talk to them. That's all. That's a two-week minimum two-week orientation before they can start their job full-time. That's the way you help engage people in the culture of the organization. Mm. And What's culture like? eats strategy for breakfast. It is the secret sauce of a successful business. Say it again, Ivan. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. It is the secret sauce of any organization. If you want to be an industry leader, you have to have an amazing organizational culture. Yes. Yes, indeed. Now, what if somebody goes through that boot camp and they go, hey, I don't have mission alignment with BNI mission alignment. What do you do then? Yeah. Well, look, there have been a couple of people that didn't make it through boot camp. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's generally either coach people up or coach people out. Uh -huh. And that's where it goes back to the, you know, I've lost more sleep over people I've kept and people I've let go. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you have to know when to let people go. And, and there have been people who early on in the process, we realized that there was not a good fit between their values and our values. And we let them go. But generally speaking, you know, you got to give people a little bit of time. We've got one employee in BNI. Mm -hmm. She's been with the company for 10 years. Mm -hmm. It's a rough start. Maybe not the best start possible, <laughs> uh, but she was the poster child for ignorance on fire. Really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But a little bit of a rough start. <laughs> she now has a very senior position in the company. She has moved up at least three levels, wow. maybe four in the last 10 years. Wow. Um, because, you know, we, we gave her time. Mm. We gave her time to figure it out. Mm -hmm. We could see she was on fire. Mm -hmm. she, she, we, we learned that she had the right values. Uh, she's mm -hmm. now an incredibly valuable executive with the company and started in a, a staff support role mm. and is now an executive, an important wow. executive in the company. Well, the reality is you can cure ignorance, right? Yep. It's, it's stupidity you can't manage or do anything about. So Yeah, it, stupidity and a lack of interest. You know, people that are just complacency is hard to cure. Oh, it really um, is. Well, that's why fire in the belly is so important, yeah. right? Yeah, so. I had an employee years ago uh -huh. who made, and this is a long time ago, Joey. It was like a five to ten thousand dollar mistake. Now, oh. I, I believe that when you give, when you give, in order to scale a business, you have to delegate. And what happens is people delegate wrong. They delegate responsibility, but not authority. Mm. And the truth is you have to delegate responsibility and authority. Now you might not delegate all of the authority all at once. You right. know, a learner has to get authority over time. This is an employee that, that I delegated responsibility and authority to over a period of time. She had the authority to make decisions. She made like, it was a seven or $10,000 mistake. Okay. And this was years ago. And that was a boatload of money. That was a lot of money then, man. And, and so I, um, I called her in my office and she said, are, are you going to fire me? <laughs> And I said, um, well, let's talk. <laughs> what did you learn from this experience? Yes. And she told me what she learned and it was right on the money. And, you know, I said, what will you do? What would you do if you were in this situation again in the future? 
And she answered the question and she was, you know, she realized she made a mistake. She knew she made a mistake. She owned up to it. She was not defensive. Right. And and she gave me the right answers. And mm. then I said to her, okay, I'm not going to fire you. And she's, she's like, oh, thank you. But can I ask why? Why are uh -huh. you not going to fire me? Because I made this mistake. I said, because I just invested $10,000 in your training. Absolutely. You know, I, I, that's a big investment. You'll ever have, right? She never did that again, obviously. Yep. And, yep. you know, I think that's the thing is you got to understand we all make mistakes. Yes. I've made mistakes way bigger than 10 grand. <laughs> you know, I have. <laughs> I that's, really have. And so um, it's like, you got to look at this and say, well, with, will the person do it? Did they recognize it was a mistake? Did they own up to it? And will they ever do it again? Mm. And mm -hmm. when all of those answers are positive, then it's like, yeah, I'm not going to let them go. Yeah. Was, did Meisner. they do it because they were complacent? Did they do it because they weren't paying attention? And that yes. wasn't the case here. It was just, it was just a bad choice. Yeah, still had that fire in the belly. They just yep. lacked some discernment around that. And as long as you, you yep. you're just they just make, made a bad, bad right, decision. Right. Yeah. You're going to make new we mistakes make faster. Decisions. I made right? really bad decisions. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Dr. Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI, is my guest, Work Positive Nation, on this particular episode of the Work Positive Podcast. So, uh, what are some challenges you see today, Ivan, if, if culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? What are some uh, challenges you see in particularly this COVID-influenced business environment right now that business owners are facing, and how can they overcome it? Well, one of the challenges we have, of course, is this idea of um, working from home or working hybrid. Mm -hmm. A hybrid environment is, you know, from a corporate perspective, it's it's like, whoa, this is this is new ground. Yeah. And it's interesting because in 2018, Joy, in 2018, I wrote an article that was published uh, on entrepreneur.com that said the future of face-to-face -face networking is online. Mm. And being I'm people were like, oh my God, you know, the old man's <laughs> losing it. Seriously, yeah. what, are, what are you thinking? And I was saying, no, no, the future, the technology is advancing so quickly that within 10 years, um, we're going to be having more holographic uh, uh -huh. images, more mixed reality, the metaverse. And, you know, and when that happens, by the way, when that happens, um, uh, it's, it's sort of like um, Star Trek, you know, where you have holographic images. I think, right. you know, you have a real Jedi and a couple of holographic Jedis and a real Jedi. When yeah. we get to that point, Joy, I, I want to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. So, okay. um, lay it out there. <laughs> so I think that, you know, I think in a, in a, I'm joking kind of, but in yeah. reality, that's the direction we're moving. Now, I thought mm -hmm. it would happen just because of technology. COVID forced our hands quickly. Yes. And so there were companies who were saying we could never do online staffing who are now saying, okay, what's the online staffing going to look like? Mm. Completely different perspective. And, you know, I think hybrid is inevitable. Mm. I think it's still valuable to have in-person stuff, but hybrid's inevitable. I mean, look at this. You know, what if what if COVID had happened in 1990 versus 2020? Oh, my goodness. It would have been totally different. We would have way more deaths or we'd have a lot more businesses who go out of business. Yes. Because they couldn't do this. Luckily, we had the technology like we have today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how open should business owners be today to creating a completely distributed network of teams or hybrid versus everybody's going to come in the office? I mean, you've got Elon Musk saying, 
you guys have got to come in and work at least 40 hours in, in the office. Yeah, look, I think it's inevitable that we're going to have um, this online uh, workforce. The question is how much? I mean, we we have to let it all play out. And, yep. you know, I think there are challenges to online that don't exist in person. You, you have to be able to measure activity and, mm -hmm. and productivity online because you're not, you know, the person's not in the office. But on the other hand, look, people come in the office, close their door and go to sleep. So, I mean, you know, you don't know how productive they are when they're in the office. Uh -huh. So yeah. there are ways of measuring productivity for employees. You know, how many how many meetings are you having during the day? Or, you know, how many, how many appointments are you doing? You can measure that whether it's in person or online. And uh, clearly, clearly, clearly we know online works. Yes. Yes, what, we do. What we're missing with online is that personal connection that exists in one-to-one, -one, which is one of the reasons why BNI, you know, we now have we now have online chapters. We we had six or seven hundred chapters open up, six hundred chapters open up who never met in person. Wow. During COVID. So many of them are still online. Mm. We have many chapters who've gone back to meeting in person, but we have mm. a lot of chapters that are hybrid. Mm. meeting three times a month online and once a month in person. Mm. So I think the office occasionally gets, because that water cooler thing is a thing. Yes, it is. I mean, it really is a thing. Yeah. You, you know, my late wife, Elizabeth, you know, she, when she stopped working for BNI full time and she was just doing the foundation, she would often be very frustrated saying, I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm, I, I don't know. I didn't know that was happening. I didn't know that was happening. It's like, mm. honey, you, you got to be in the office, you know, because stuff <laughs> yep. happens off the cuff. Right. It's not planned. We're, Fun you know, time. you have a discussion with one person and you go, oh, that's a great idea. Let's all get together in an hour and we'll talk about it. Mm. And stuff like that happens in person that just doesn't happen online. Yeah. So I, I think the hybrid is the best of both worlds. Yeah. Well, and particularly when you designate those times as collaborative ideation. Yeah. And you say, okay, guys, bring your notes from the field, what you've been learning online, and then let's get together and, and do an offsite yeah. or something. You don't necessarily have to be in the office building, but let's yeah. and one ideate of, around those. Yeah. One of the things that um, I've seen is that people who uh, they'll say to the staff, you, you got to come in one day a week or two days a week, whatever the number is. Yeah. Uh, that is not as good as saying you got to come in on Wednesdays mm. or whatever, pick a day. It doesn't matter. Uh -huh. Because then what you have is the whole team coming in on the same day mm. or the same two days. So mm. two days a week in the office, Monday, Tuesday, mm -hmm. three days a week, you can work in the office or at home. The beauty of having it, that consistency mm -hmm. is that first of all, it helps employees with planning, but secondly, it gets people together in the same building at the same time. Yeah. And I kind of lean towards doing that. Mm. Yeah, just it's just gone a different direction than I expected, Joy, but great stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's really good stuff. Well, we're talking about culture here. So what you're wanting to do is to get the physicality piece captured, right? Yeah. So that the culture grows in very specific ways while recognizing that technology allows us to do what we couldn't, as you were saying, in 1990. Yeah. So, you know, back to the culture question, one of the things that we're really good about doing, and, and Graham uh, Weimiller, the CEO of BNI, who took over managing the company, he's continued it, is before he starts every staff meeting, he says to everyone there, or he'll pick one person, 
So mm-hmm. he'll just pick you out of the blue. Joey, tell me what BNI core value resonates with you and why. And then the employee has to stand up and talk about a particular core value and why that's valuable to them, why they like that. Mm. And it's one of the things that gets people constantly thinking about the core values, how they apply to them, what they like about them, which ones resonate most with them. And it's keeping those core values top of mind that helps, helps, mind you, helps create a great culture. Oh, it does. And it constantly reinforces the alignment of personal core values with company core values, right? Yeah, because when absolutely. those are aligned, that's when the magic really happens. That's when magic happens. That's a great yeah. way of putting it. And and you're able to pursue mission with fire in the belly, regardless of whether you're ignorant or knowledgeable, yep. right? Exactly. exactly. Dr. Ivan Meisner is my guest on this episode of the Work Positive Podcast. You can right now, if you want to, go to IvanMeisner.com or you can go to BNI.com and discover more about how you can create an amazing culture like BNI has had since 1985. Ivan, our listeners always want to know the answer to this question. What's one thing, one bit of advice you would give to our listeners today, one action they can take to create a positive work culture? Well, I think one of the most important things for entrepreneurs and most entrepreneurs don't get this is if you want to be successful at anything, whatever it is that you're focusing on, you got to do six things a thousand times, not a thousand things six times. Yeah. And what entrepreneurs tend to do is a thousand things six times. Yep. And then they can't figure out why it's not having incredible success. And the truth is that you want to pick a handful of things like your KPIs. That's a handful of things. And you do it over and over and over and over again. If I have any superpower as a business person, it is that I am a dog with a bone. I will (laughs) take some issue and work it and work it and work it until I get it to where it needs to be. I think it's one of the most important things, whether you're talking about culture or revenue or, you know, hiring people, whatever it is, 6,000 times. Just pick your six things. Work Positive Nation and go do it a thousand times. And I, how do you pick those six things? You come yeah. listen to podcasts like this. <laughs> exactly. You do. And you hear ideas that you go, that resonates with me. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it over and over and over again. That's why lifelong learning is such an important core value for successful business people. Oh, it is. And B&I does such a great job of educating I mean, there's an educational moment in every meeting, right? And then the resources that you guys offer online through BNI.com are just phenomenal. Someone who has no idea how to network can join a BNI chapter. And if they'll spend some time at BNI.com, learn everything they need to know to make their business successful. Yeah, very true. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Please share this podcast with your friends who are small business leaders so they can create a positive work culture that increases productivity and profits. Get your free 15-point work positive checklist to help you attract top talent and reduce team turnover. Download the checklist at workpositive.today slash checklist. Remember, it pays to work positive.